calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. It's Caitlin Bradnick. And this is Sue Smith. Welcome to ScamWow Podcast. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. We are so excited. Yes. Today we are covering something that has taken up so much of our time, so much focus. We know there's so much out there already discussing about this, but Sue and I like... We had people call in. We had people tweet us. We had people message us. You've got to cover this. And so we are covering... The Fire Festival. Fire Festival. The internet has been calling for it. Yes. we. And I just want to say that this is the scam that made me want to start this whole entire podcast. Yes. Um, last summer when we were talking about the idea and then I just haven't done it because there are so many scams. There's so many scams. Guys, we're inundated with scams. Historic, current, uh, family-based scams. Scamming where I scam Political scams. <laughs> money yeah. scams. Like, there's so many. But this Fire Festival festival scam is rich and it is perfect and I just want to apologize from my heart for not getting it to you sooner (laughs) no so it is my duty no uh, okay you can apologize feel your feelings but I'm telling you I'm glad that we took our time because I wanted to we really had to like ingest this disgusting (laughs) tale we had to take it all in it was gross and I have to say so I am proudly call myself a con artist and a scammer, but th- I did not. I mean, I like things on sale <laughs> and I shop at Nordstrom Rack and sometimes I lie to my siblings. But this story, it made me so grossed out and disgusted that I don't ever want to call myself even jokingly. It was so horrible and yeah. just like ripe with racism. And I, there's so many layers to this. So we are appalled, there's- but like. Very excited to talk about this. It's awful and we can't wait. But first, should we talk about our scammy weeks real quick for people? Mm, Yeah, if you have a scammy week. Basically, I just like maintained that I had to live in this apartment that was pretty great. And I couldn't, I didn't have to scam my way or anything. Things are okay. And I'm just dealing with a small child. I will preface that um, I have a little bit of a scratchy voice because I've been, my son is now mimicking us and he has a really high, gorgeous song voice. And we were singing the song, you know, like, loving you. Like that high. Okay, I'm going to play a clip for you guys because Lewis um, repeated us (gasps) and it is the funniest thing. That is so sweet. Yeah, he, I don't even know if that's any interest to anybody. And he just is singing along with it. And so we tried to like keep him doing it. And then I became obsessed and couldn't stop singing. So now I have a sore throat because I actually can't hit that range. I don't know what, Aww, <laughs> what I was thinking. But you did. No, you did. You did great. But my son can. Yeah. He does it. It's good. It's good. Yeah. No, I just had a scam that I needed to bring to the table. Um, please. To please. the studio. So... 
my husband, Austin, we're in LA. We're trying to do new things that we wouldn't normally do in New York. So he- Live your life. Live our lives. And so he heard about this play. This actress he liked, Carrie Coon, um, tweeted about this play called Linda Vista. And then he heard about it on NPR as well in the same day. So he was like, it's a sign from the universe that we need to go see this play. So- And it's like, you know, the Lincoln Center type place of L.A., like fancy theater, not like indie theater or anything like that. Dress up. Yeah. So tickets were like seven. No, they were like $35 each. So $70. And then we had to pay for parking and then we paid for snacks and we got there and the play was so bad. And I feel you paid for snacks, snacks and parking (laughs) and ticket. (laughs) Like after all that, Kaylin, there was full sex on stage. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Okay. As an actor, I would never, ever do that. But when someone else does it, I'm just like, whoa, what? What happened that you're like, you know what? For my craft, I need my vagina open and I need the audience to see what's happening. I saw a schlubby man's penis. Like, it was crazy. There are enough schlongs on the internet. We don't need it in person. We don't need that in person. And then, like, no. no. And then he, and it's so crazy because they're, like, having sex, which is fine. Have your sex. Live your life. But, like, nothing wrong with sex. But they're, like, in their theater, actor voices talking during their sex. And it was (laughs) so weird. They're on breath and on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And we left halfway through and we were so mad. Good. No, there is like a liberation with leaving halfway through. I think that is yeah. the best. Uh, there's, I mean, no, I wouldn't ever want to do that to a friend. And if a friend was in a show, I'd feel guilty. But I used to work for Neil Simon and he left plays halfway through all the time. Really? <laughs> yes. And I thought we I was felt so, so bad. We felt so bad. But we <laughs> were like, great. we can't do this anymore. And, and I want to clarify, it's not just because of the sex. It's just because it was supposed to be this comedy and that the audience was loving it. Um, but it was oh. just like a white man being a man baby and expressing his thoughts and... Yes, which is like Knocked Up or any other show that's been on. Exactly, but it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all. It was appalling and like we were scammed by Carrie Coon and then we were like, why was (laughs) Carrie Coon promoting this play? And we went on her her Twitter and her husband was the playwright. We're like, oh, Oh, that's why. It's family. scammed us. Yes. Yeah. But also, wait, he said he's heard it on NPR. So like somebody at NPR thought it was like very highbrow with a highbrow dick in your face. But here's the thing. Not a lot of plays in L.A. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that is the thing. It was Mm -hmm. like our local L.A. NPR station. And I'm not – I'm – I'm not – I don't want to make this rule because I had a lot of rules like this in New York. But I – don't think I want to see theater in LA. It's not what it's known for. Well, yeah. here's the thing. There are a lot of rules in New York because there's so much happening in New York that you have to go like, look, uh, the, the city is mm. constantly moving and vibrating and somebody is always doing something for free that they want me to spend three hours watching. So you do have to create boundaries for yourself yeah. and go like, yeah. I need like a little preview if this is worth my time because otherwise you would just sit in a black box theater to see everybody's um, NYU you know, performance. But um, yeah, I I guess now in LA, you're going to have to create your own boundaries. I feel, I, I will give theater in LA maybe one or two more shots, but sure, not a give lot. give it a shot. No. Not a lot. This was so bad. The play was called Linda Vista. Carrie Coon, you can come after me, but I was, <laughs> you did, you scammed us big time, girl. Yeah. Well, I hope, you know, I just, you want, you want an artist to do well, but when it comes to a naked penis, I don't care. That's where I draw the line. I go like, you know what? Your dick's in my face. I don't I don't think we can be friends. <laughs> no, I don't need that dick. And also, I, I don't. I guess that if it hadn't been so self-indulgent about this guy's thought, this yes. like yes. 50-year-old white man's thoughts and feelings before that, it was- Like al- we need any more. It was already so masturbatory that I didn't need to see his dick. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he really just wanted to go all the way. Did he like come at the end or anything? Like, did he let it all out? I mean, he, there was no actual come, but he kind of made it seem like he finished. And then she didn't get off and she masturbated by herself. And it was like, oh, no. Yeah. It was uh, too upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. Sue right now is looking like she's going to throw up and pass out. Ugh, I hate that. I, I did see a play when I was in college and it was one of those like artists that 
toured colleges. And it was, the play was fine. I don't even think it was any good. It was a one woman show. And she was like in her fifties and she did the show. She had a fine, great body, but she did like half the show in her bra and underwear. Mm -hmm. And I just like, as an actor was like, wow, that is so fucking great. That's amazing. Like not, not that her age or her body or anything, just that like any person would be that, like raw and naked and just be acting because it was, she was supposed to have like a private moment in her house and she's like chatting and losing it. But she also talked to the audience. So it wasn't that private, but um, all, I don't remember any of the context of the show. I don't even think it was well-written, but I just remember like staring at her as a young college student, like, wow, that is a bravery that I don't have to just like feel very confident, very, very naked. And um, yeah. And it, it like good body, bad body. That didn't matter. It was just the fact that she like was there displaying it. And I was like, well, that's not the theater I'm going to do. But you know what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes when it's that, when it's that like not it's not graphic, but when it's that like sort of striking and clear, you don't hear the context. I'm not listening to what the play is about. I'm just staring and I'm saying like, did her nipple pop out? Like I'm, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not body shaming at all. This woman has no. a perfect body. I'm not body shaming. It's just like it's the the amount of like balls it takes to do that. Like this was a huge theater and they were like having full on sex. It was crazy. So I'm I'm just in mm. awe of it. I could, well, I don't think I could sex, ever do I've that. I've never been cast in anything, but I never had sex in like a movie. Oh no, I was cast and I did have to wear a bra and walk a dog in Bryant Park. There you go. I was in the new movie Set It Up on Netflix, but they cut out my Great. scene. And I was so excited because I like felt really confident. I was like in a bra and in a skirt and the character like took off her top to pick up a pile of poop that the dog left because she was a nervous assistant and didn't have a poop bag and a cop looked at her and it was like so fun and exactly perfect they did cut the scene but at the moment I was like wow I am an actor and I am cast and I am feeling myself um but that was all I probably could just do like a high-waisted skirt and bra and that would probably be the that's most. good that's good I've yeah. done I've done ugh, like I did that dear Kate's thing they did like an underwear shoot of comedians oh yes I did that yeah I did that a while ago and then I did some Ironically, thing for thinks where I had to perform <laughs> in my <laughs> underwear. <funny>. <laughs> so funny. Oh, guys, I got stuff on things. Yeah. Yes, Alan used to work with the owner and the person <gasps> thinks, and we have a lot of stuff on that. <laughs> she, I'm fascinated by her. I will always yeah. like any article yeah, I, I will read about her. She's fascinating. Ugh. Okay. I love it. Thank. Okay. Thank you for letting me vent guys. and share and bring this to the table. Yes, you know, so we had to get it out. What we're talking about today is the Fire Festival, which was so upsetting to me. I was upset for days. And basically, so let's like give a grand scheme. There are two documentaries that came out competing. And the festival was last year and it was supposed to take place in the Bahamas. And it was supposed to be a music festival with models. Here is an amazing clip from the Hulu documentary. Man, Billy, it's like, man, this guy's stinking rich. <laughs> he's bringing all his friends down, you know, and he's, he's paying for everything. It's like four jet skis, four boats, and, you know, have a wild out time, you know? I think the idea just popped up in his head like, ding, we're going to throw a festival, yeah. <laughs> I would not trust a single word that Billy says about his own motivations or about himself, simply because Billy McFarlane is a con artist. I know all about them. You know, I've researched them. I know they ruin lives. They look into your soul. They see what you're missing, and they take advantage of that. The most surprising thing about con artists is just how normal and likable they are. We have a lot of feelings. Yes. So the so the festival was started by this guy Billy McFarland, who sounds like a fake person, um, and Ja Rule. Yeah, and they got together and they wanted to create a basically a company and an app that would have regular people be able to book celebrities and singers and artists for things like a bar mitzvah or an office party, and you would directly contact them. There's no middleman, which isn't really a great idea. Sure. I know about that from being booked. It's weird. Um, and then. But to create that company, they decided to have a big, huge festival to hit it off. And they decided to do this festival in, I believe it was like anywhere from like six to nine months. Mm -hmm. um, 
and really it was incredibly slow and they decided it was going to be on a deserted island in the Bahamas. And none, so of, the f- none of them have experience with event production at mm-hmm. all. No. No. And so what's so crazy is that they were trying to create a company and he, he has two businesses. He had the festival, which was like this whole experience, which a lot of people know about. And then there was the company, the fire app, basically. Yeah. And he had a whole team of people working for him during this. And a lot of times throughout the process, he'd have people on the app side also be trying to help with the festival. Like he just pulled whoever he could and got so many people involved. Yeah. Um, and what was so insane and how the all documentaries start is that it started with basically the advertisement for the festival. And the advertisement for the festival was like one of the most successful social media ad campaigns, really probably incredibly historic because it they've made this point in both documentaries that everything leading up into like what everything in our zeitgeist, everything in millennials, everything happening in the world is leading up to this desire and need to be a part of something so specific. And they just narrowed in on that and made this incredible advertisement. And that was where the story really took off. Yeah, they capitalized on the FOMO of it all. So they went to the Bahamas and shot this um, commercial that was like, crazy with all these influencers who are like Chanel Iman, Kendall Jenner, Bella Hadid, all these people. Huge supermodels. Huge supermodels. And then they all posted their social media. They were contracted. And then everyone was like, well, I got to go. And also, I want to say that the marketing, they hired a great marketing firm and the design. Amazing. Everything was incredibly sleek. Like I saw their um, pitch deck somewhere online. They had the pitch deck that they were showing to investors and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like it looks so nice, you know? So, yeah. So what is so crazy with all of this and why it went so awry is that this guy, Billy McFarland and Ja Rule to an extent, they're really great at selling this cool idea. Like they knew exactly like who social media influenced to pitch, how they wanted the video, how they wanted the music to sound like they had so much control over the idea of what could happen. But like so many things that I think are happening now with social media is that it's just, there's nothing that's just empty. There was nothing that happened. The event that they kept adding. So this guy, Billy McFarland kept saying throughout the whole time, like, don't worry, we'll get it. That'll get taken care of. And it was literally like the day before the event. And he's mm-hmm. like, don't worry, it'll get taken care of. And people were like, no, there's no bathrooms. He's like, don't worry, we'll get it taken care of. And so his idea was that like the, and so, you know, there's so much momentum. There's so much like hype. There's so much like his joy, their passion behind this event to get it ready and to hype it up. But there was no actual product. Yeah. And so that's where everything fell out. But I will say that, advertising before was gorgeous. I mean, I I will look at Bella Hadid all day, every day. I think she's like one of the most beautiful people. They're just, they were the most gorgeous models like on a beach. Everybody wants that. You want to be a model, be fucking a model, be smelling a model. I don't know. Like they, it's, that's exactly what our generation is dying to be around or look at or like, yeah, the voyeurism of it. Yeah. But as you're saying, like there's no, there, there. You scratch the surface and there's nothing. Yeah. There's, it's not, yeah. you know. Okay, so we're going to break it down. Yes. Okay, we're going to break this okay. down. Okay, so this guy, Billy McFarland, since he was young, was like, his mom even said, he like he's like a big ideas man. He does everything big. Now, I think he came from a really affluent family mm-hmm. in New Jersey and he's just this white, white boy with bright white teeth who smiles at everybody and is a fast talker. Yes. And somebody said in the documentary, he's like uh, a used car salesman who is dying to sell you a car. Like he, that's just a, a perfect explanation of him. And he is so hyped up in the sale that it takes over and he doesn't actually have the brains or anything else to back it up. It'd be like if he was a used carman and then said to you, I'll build you a car next. Yeah. He doesn't know how to build a car. He's no. good at sales. Yeah. So he, um, they, for some reason, when I was thinking about his t- childhood, when the two documentaries were talking about his childhood, it reminded me of Mark Zuckerberg, like this oh, yeah. New Jersey, very like working class, but yet like always determined to ma- move forward and make a win. And they said he started his first business. They said this in the Hulu documentary when he was like in second grade or something. No, in fifth. Oh, oh yeah. In second grade, he was lying. He was repairing the crayons. Crayons, which he pronounced cranes, mm-hmm. which I'm like, <laughs> can we not? Ugh. It was so weird. 
No, I think he was actually pretty rich because his mom was like, yeah. you know, he's scuba diving at 10. Like, uh, to be able to pay for your kid to go scuba diving at 10. Like, the the things that she was using. As a, so, basically. Wait. Oh, okay. Caitlin, are, are, do you want to get on that Get mic? on the mic, Kate. Oh, it's not hooked up. Okay. okay. Sorry. Caitlin is feeding me. Her, the parents are both real estate developers. Okay. <laughs> real estate developers, not to offend any of you, but basically take something. They're scammers. It's not there. Yeah. And they create a whole other thing and, you know, can sometimes ransack communities. And um, um, yeah, our pre- that's like a whole other thing. Our president is a real estate developer. Just. Yeah. It really goes hand in hand. So he was from this family. The thing that I wrote down that made me so upset is he said he started his first business in fifth grade. It was a web hosting business, and he bragged on this documentary that he had hired three people from India, and he said he has three people from India working for him, and that was the first huge red flag of racism, of entitlement for his idea. Mm -hmm. He said it in a way of like, in India, like that they don't matter, that he just got these people to do whatever he wanted as a fifth grader, and that was the Start that I saw of this piece of shit racist little bitch start his life that then led us to this circumstance where he just believed it didn't matter. He just needed his job, his business to succeed. Doesn't matter who he used or who he hired. He yeah. didn't say anything like he didn't work with the person anymore or he how he helped these or uh, he didn't care. The racism throughout this is immense it's and it's also really gross and really like american you see a lot of it you just see a lot of these people going to other countries and stuff and just deciding like i'm just gonna take over like we talked about gregor mcgregor (laughs) i'm just gonna go to another country and own it as my own and none of it's real and they don't care at all how these people live their lives and so yeah the racism stuff made me so sick and it's also so sick because it is happening. It is a thing. People are this way. And that's what's so frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, actually, the parallels with Gregor McGregor <laughs> are very huge because you're going to an island and yes. taking over an island, basically, and and telling the yes. locals to so figure guys, it Gregor out. So, guys, Gregor McGregor is a, um, someone that we – a previous episode, previous somebody episode. that I – um, had on during like colonization times. Um, and so I covered him. And if you want to hear that whole story and how insane that guy was. Um, okay. So Billy has this, basically this confidence that starts from childhood and he created other companies where he wanted to create a credit card that piggybacked off the debit card that you already have with a real bank, but it's made of metal. Yeah. So I would say, okay, about this credit card, he, Got yeah, a sheet of it. metal and duplicated his credit card and then used it. He, credit yeah. card fraud, basically. He used yeah. it at the deli or something. And he was like, let me start yeah. a company. That's he took basically the magnetic strip off his and real it, credit card, put it on a piece of metal because he thought it looked cooler. Yeah. And then was like, and then I used it at my bodega. How great. And we were like, you're such a shit. Yeah. So the company Who is called you? Magnesis, which... Uh, we learn in, in the Hulu documentary is actually a typo. Yeah, he spelled it wrong because he's a goddamn idiot. Um, and it, He made up the word. And, he, you know, yeah. he doesn't know anything about math. Like, he just decides this is like the audacity This and this arrogance is what we saw throughout all of the documentaries is that he just goes like, oh, I'm going to do this now. Now I'm this. Now I'm that. And um, yeah. I will say, like, with parallels to Mark Zuckerberg, at least like Mark Zuckerberg, doesn't he do like computers or you like no yeah he knows some yeah, kind of coding no computers yeah, yeah and throughout this whole time when he was doing magnesis they kept saying he's the next zuckerberg so i think that really stroked his stupid ego that he could yeah. be like that like somebody that has any skill um but he doesn't so i i just want to say this club the magnesis club so it was like there's a townhouse in the west village and you can hang out with people and you pay to get in and it's like these are the last people I would no, want to no, hang no, out yeah. with. It's like God, no. frat people who don't know what to do with themselves, with their parents' yeah, money. Yeah, like extra money and just want to spend money. Like, and it's like if you have to pay for that, then it's not authentic and you're a loser. Well, and that's what's happening. I'm going to say it. And, yeah, and people were saying like I want – everybody interviewing that were a part of these clubs or anything, they basically were saying like I want that life that I've only seen and I don't have. And it is not authentic. But they're willing to pay for it, which is so gross. Um, So yeah. Magnesis happens and he gets like the ear and gets like the pocket of all of these other investors because this is like the start of – 
when a lot of websites and and when Facebook was happening, a lot of things were sort of like snowballing with these young millennials that Sue and I are also, we're, so is Caitlin, um, we're mm-hmm. all part of this community. Um, these people that had these business ideas and then some of them really like struck gold and it'd be really exciting and sort of magical if you were a part of it and an investor and you didn't know something would have great stock suddenly and be really successful. So I think at this time you had a lot of investors that were much older than Billy. And so we're very mm-hmm. much dated and not a part of the generation. And they'd go like, Ooh, this looks exciting. I don't really understand it, but look how confident this handsome white kid is. I'm going to join it. Some of the people, some of the investors were like, I was investing in Billy. I was investing yes. in the person. Yeah. And um, I will say the Hulu documentary does a great job of explaining the societal phenomenon surrounding how this came to be, like of millennials, of the FOMO, of the the time in which this Social happened. media's influence, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of, you know, I guess people, the way somebody explained my, yeah, friend of my husband explained like venture capital, like you just have a lot of money and you invest in a ton of shit. And then if one thing succeeds, then you're great. Yeah, you made that I'm money back. But but then you're a millionaire or whatever. So I think that's what happened here. It, it's a know. lot of gambling. And so yeah. he got money from a woman who was had a really rich developer husband. He got money from this guy mm-hmm. who owned the Chesapeake Oil Company who ended up being a scammer himself and, you know, convicted of fraud. And so you had like... Was that the... Was that the guy who died? Yeah, in a car crash. Yeah, weird, weird, weird. That was weird. Yes. I was like, "Is there a crime there? Right? What has happened? What happened? Yeah, or suicide? I don't yeah. know. Crazy. But yeah. guys, don't quote us. We're just a podcast. Please don't come after us. <laughs> We're just making that We're up. Just Speculation. About our feelings. Okay. Feelings, not facts. Speculation and satire. And satire. Um. So basically, he had the hand of all of these people that thought. It's just like a fun gambling exercise. Like, let's try it. And I think the number one thing of that, all of these conners that we've covered, that we've met and that we know, they're very charismatic. They're very loving. They can look into your eyes and make you feel like you were the only person in the world in that room. And you are the one that is going to do this with them and connect with them. I mean, if you've ever been like scammed, I've been scammed into a gym membership. They made me feel like I was going to be the next Jennifer Lopez because I'm an actor, singer, dancer. (laughs) So I need to join this gym because her song is playing right now. And you know what? Like you never know you could be next. Like there's so many, like the sales pitch. It's not just, this is a cool idea. It's that your life will get better because of this. You will be transformed. Yeah. So for me, for a day job, I've worked in advertising for like five years. And he is so much like the bosses I've had because like in my last job, I had to learn to look at my boss when he was talking and being like, are you selling me on this idea? Like you're selling me on how the company is going forward, how we're going to get better, how we're going to make more money, how it's going to be better for everyone. Like I had to learn how to like cut through the bullshit and be like, what is real and what is fake? And that's the thing. Well, so here's the thing, Sue, with you that I've noticed is that like these people that you have to work for are, yes, the sales part, but you're so good as a visual artist that you create something that I see like an image and I'm like, that's so pretty. Like I think the thing with sales as well is that, so these crazy, crazy gross salesmen that like Billy and like your bosses, they connected with really smart, great, brilliant, like artists. And so artists that could create amazing media, that could create amazing television, that could like also throughout all of this. And that's, we'll get into this in the second half. Like Billy had all of this footage. He had people following him around because I think he wanted to be on the next like Big Brother or be the next Bachelor. He wanted to be on a reality TV show. So he has people just following him. And that footage, then he wants them to cut it and edit and make pretty. And he knew that he picked the right people to work for him. But these sales guys are no dummies. They're smart, you know. And they know what they, they know aren't exactly. good at. Well, this is the crazy thing. So most of them know what they're not good at. And they know where they need somebody yeah. to pull up the slack or somebody to do the business. So Billy, in this story, and this is what sort of happened, he, when you, when you have a boss who has a big, huge company, typically they know their strengths and weaknesses. So you have a big company and they run and they're like, you run creative, you run finances, you run payroll and all of this stuff. Now, with all of this that happened is that Billy had such an insane ego is that he believed that either your time wasn't that valuable and you'll figure it out and you're sort of like a nobody and you'll do the work for him. Or it was that he 
thought he could solve it. Like he he actually doesn't have the, all the pieces of the puzzle. I think these guys are very big picture. Yes. So like my old boss, they're very big picture and they don't think about the day-to-day and the logistics no, of it. Didn't. So my old boss, my old boss, when we were pitching ideas for a client, I would we were in a room pitching ideas and we would just like say all this stuff and I'd be like, well, logistically, I don't think that we can pull this off in this budget and blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, 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 don't think about that. Don't mm-hmm. think about that. And that's the way that we would create ideas, which then trickles down to the production people mm-hmm. and all the pressures and fucks on everybody yes. over. Yeah, fucks everybody over. Right. So also yeah. throughout this time, if there was anybody that um, disagreed with Billy on his team throughout this process, they would either be fired, asked to leave, or basically shut up and said like, we don't like negative, we only want positivity. And it would literally be somebody that was like, there aren't toilets on the island. And they'd be like, you know what? We don't want this negativity. So, <laughs> so then, and he would ignore people. So my friend was like, do you think that any of the people that worked with him felt guilty doing so? And it's kind of like, well, no, because people who tried to say something were fired right away. Right. So like that um, in the Hulu or the Netflix documentary that like Finnish or Norwegian the guy. Pilot. Okay, guys. So Billy hooked yeah, up with the a pilot, pilot who yeah. said he learned how to fly on video games. And he'd on only Microsoft. Been, yes, he'd only been flying for six months. And he flew Billy in a private jet to the Bahamas because they hooked up for some reason. And I'm like, what a dumbass. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So, guys, here's a clip from the Netflix documentary on the Fire Festival. They really wanted to do tents. So what we, what, what I did is I took my wife and we tried to sleep in a tent for one night. And uh, it was so terrible <laughs> that, you know, this tent is just not going to be safe. And it's so loud. Uh, so many mosquitoes to do this tents without air conditioning is pretty brutal. It's just, it's just not possible. So I strongly recommended against the uh, defense. Keith raised a lot of concerns about these things. And then I don't, I think he was asked to to no longer be part of it. Yeah. He though writes a hand-drawn map of the island to say to Billy, like there's no like running water, there's no plumbing, there's no infrastructure and they fire him immediately. So what Billy was selling for this music festival was that you're going to come to, I think it was two weekends 
or more. And he, you would come and you could own, you could buy like a cabana, which was like a house. You could do an Airbnb house or you could have a tent on the beach, on this exclusive beach. And he was selling it this beach that was Pablo Escobar's um, old beach. Island. Pi- yeah, yeah, island. <laughs> which is so insane because Pablo Escobar was a horrible murderer who like ruined people's lives. And he's like, guys, isn't it cool? Like that's exactly what this like dumb white guy ignorance is. Like he doesn't actually know yeah. anything about Pablo Escobar. He just sounds cool and rich. But the guy was like really horrible and a monster. So he's yeah. selling this. And so they did try that island that Billy said he owned. We let her find out he didn't actually own it. Um, but he told everyone he did. Um, and the owner was not happy that he no. used Pablo Escobar's name. Yeah, they said, and we then- don't want that to be a part of it. And that the number one thing, the first thing on this ad is it's Pablo Escobar's island. <laughs> So then they got kicked off the island. Yeah. They couldn't use the island that they, the, the whole ad campaign was shot on this island. And so that was what they were selling. And what you see in the ads was this island at one point they were on. Um, and then during that point was when the pilot came, when he stayed with his wife, when he was like, guys, this is really bad. And then the video was released. And then the owner of the island kicked them off because they were like, please don't mention Pablo Escobar. You did exactly what we didn't want. Um, so they had to find another island. So they are still selling tickets for this. Like at no time during this, when all mm-hmm. of these like flaws and yeah. all these problems are happening, nobody stops any of the internet um, ticket sales. Nobody stops the ads. They're still saying, this is great. We can't wait for you guys to come. But they literally don't have an island. So then somebody says that... What was the island, Sue? Grand? Norman K? No, Exuma. Exuma was the island that he said. Great Exuma? Great Exuma. That somebody suggested that they take a space there. And what they ended up doing was having part of a sandals resort that was actually like a driveway. It was probably like used for parking eventually. It was rocky for sure. Really rocky and gross. And they called... And then in their map online, they just like cut the rest of the island, like clip arted it out. So it looked like a deserted island. And the amazing thing about this is they got the space and they booked it, but they also booked it for like during a regatta tournament on the busiest weekend of the year for the island. People were like, no, that's really important to us as like a culture. You know, we won't have houses to Airbnb. Nobody's on the roads. Like this is like part of us as a community. He didn't care. And they said also in the documentary um, that the people of these islands, the people that live there, like part of their culture, the pride is being hospitable, being loving. Mm -hmm. They know that people want to come and vacation there. Like that's that's there. It's on the table that Mm -hmm. people are looking for an escapism. And them doing a great job is what gives them so much confidence and love for their job for their careers Mm -hmm. um and so this is and i'm sure it happens i'm sure people do it all the time terrible people come and take advantage but this entire experience was one man one company coming to take advantage of this beautiful community of people Mm -hmm. and so you see in both documentaries just like men and women that were just worked to the bone people that weren't paid Mm -hmm. it was modern day slavery Uh, i just i said it from the second that started i was like alan he's treating these people like slaves like he's not Mm. and I was watching with my husband and he was like, okay, well, let's, you know, we were like trying to figure it out. And at the end, sure enough, he didn't pay anybody. Like he never said, I appreciate what you're doing. There's one woman in the documentary um, that, you know. Marianne Roll. Oh, yes. She's so heartbroken. Thank God there's a GoFundMe and people are paying for her experience. But she said that there wasn't even anybody to say you did a great job and you picked up the slack. So there was no. And she said she worked day and night mm-hmm. for like three days, like 24 hours around the clock. She had to pay 10 people out of her own pocket. Mm-hmm. Out of her and savings. then she, out of her savings, she lost 50 grand out of her savings. And Billy didn't pay that back because she wanted to pay her workers because they're part of her community. Yes. And yeah, and she Billy's has to come and go. People. And these people are still in their lives day in and day out. And so mm-hmm. Basically, because there was no resources on this island, all of these workers, Billy would just say, figure it out. And so figure it out, figure it out, like would trickle down to then one woman who had a restaurant um, had to feed workers, had to feed hungry. And even when they showed up with school buses of people, they didn't know where to go. Mm -hmm. They didn't know where to take them to the festival. They took them to her Her restaurant. restaurant. And she was... and people were like, is this the fire festival? And she was like, I guess. Yeah. And then she just had to deal with it, you right. know? So what, so that is sort of the whole, the island had to do that. They just had to like absorb all these tourists that were brought because of Billy. It's like it was really um, a day or two before people were scheduled to come and they had these huge packages of a luxury, a luxurious, luxury, like, 
A really nice tent. Yeah. (laughs) A real nice tent. And um, all these things planned. And it was the day of. And people are saying, like, we don't have this beautiful tent that you were selling people. And and he just, like, didn't care. And I think his – his ego was so big. The momentum was so big. His, his, I don't know. I hate this guy. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. So, so it's a night. Okay. So basically it's the night before and nothing has happened. The Island looks almost identical to how it did before, except it has like five different truckloads of Amazon products that he purchased and FEMA tents that, um, help refugees and people in natural disasters, which are, which are great, but great. they're not $50,000 tents that these no. people pay for. So he had an advisor and a side guy named Grant, who was his like number one guy. And guys, I hate Grant. He talks Ugh. down to people. He's such a little bitch too. He he sends a thousand word emails yes. about the music. Yeah. He's so he controlling. So they were so controlling about this ad and the feeling, but they had no idea how to make literally a tent. They couldn't pitch a tent mm-hmm. themselves. Oh no. And no. so while all this was happening, Billy's also running out of money because he's sort of paying people to shut up, paying people off in, there's a lot of customs in the Bahamas. He wasn't paying customs. So he'd have his water confiscated or Poor he, Andy. Oh God. Yeah. That's so gross. Yeah. So he, so all these things aren't working and he's running out of money and he, he yeah. and he told his investors he was going to make all of this money. So they're packaging more and more and more tickets and they're saying please put all of your money first on a wristband so it's a cash-free zone so he's he's basically all the people coming he's asking them to invest more money in their ticket more money in their stuff and there's right now just mattresses in white FEMA tents and it rains it pours the night before and through all of this, he is also pushing. So he had these like 10 huge supermodels be in this ad. And then he pushed everybody to do a viral post that was just an orange square on Instagram. And they said as a campaign, it was really to, like to stop people in their tracks. Now, as an actor and who's done ads, like there's one thing about like doing the ad and shooting the commercial. But then when they ask you to do stuff on your personal ad, that's a whole different thing. So he either paid each of these people additionally to post this personal ad or he also promised them like a trip and all this like um, these no expenses and all these great things. So... I'm kidding. Yeah. So no he, orange square. Yeah. He had these people post this orange square. So then that was going viral. And that's yeah. where he was putting more of his money instead of paying any of his workers. Right. So they say in the, in the thing that Kendall Jenner got paid 250000 Which is and a steal. The one, we, yeah. The girl says it's a steal. And I for sure agree with like just the shit that I've done for work for influencer stuff is that like we pay these kids – Maybe I I know that there was one influencer who's like a 17 year old kid and we paid him 50 grand for like one video. So like (sighs) this money, these amounts are real. Like it's really crazy. But also I think there was like some intimidation on the part of Billy and Ja Rule of these influencers. So like there's that scene in the I think it's the Netflix documentary where Ja Rule. Yes. The get in the water. One night. They wanted to turn the bonfire into like the billion jaw party on the beach. And that's all on camera. Come on, baby. We about to create art. Come on, get over here. Let's just get in the water. I don't want to put on the team, whatever. It don't matter. But let's get in the water. But yo, get in the fucking water, Hey yo, Well, they wanted to get everyone in the water, so they made it sound as if it was gonna be a scene, but nobody was there directing that scene. Guys, what's the purpose of what we're trying to do? This is the best shot. This is the money shot. It was them partying with talent that didn't really know what they were there to do. But in the end, it didn't matter. We are selling a pipe dream. We're selling a pipe dream to fucking They were selling a vision of... I think that they intimidated them to post more on social than they were contracted for, is what yeah. I think. It really Because there are me. scenes on the set where, where Grant is like, everybody needs to be posting, everybody needs to be using the hashtag and hashtagging us. And it's like, there was a little bit of this like intimidation and this force coming from and men to drinking. women. And they were all yeah. Oh, yeah. trashed the whole time. And they would say that like, mm-hmm. Grant would get trashed and then like go on his jet ski and like blow off steam and then come back and keep drinking and like, oh, 
definitely there had to be cocaine. Like there's a lot going on. There's that scene in um, uh, the Netflix documentary where Ja Rule is like, real talk, if we want to swim with the pigs, we're going to swim with some fucking pigs because we're spending all this money. So it's like mm-hmm. they really thought that they could just do whatever they wanted because they, they were spending they could own money. people. They did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Real talk, like we're spending a lot of fucking money. If we want to go fucking see the pigs, we go see the pigs. Find a way to make it work. That's it. If we want to go fucking see the pigs and the girls want to go see the pigs, we go fucking see the pigs. So this was just the start, you guys. It's like the festival didn't even happen. Like the festival didn't didn't even even happen. It's like just all this ad stuff. Let's talk about the toast really quick. So this is sort of like. What, I wrote it down. So he was, so Ja Rule gave this toast after they swam with the pigs while they're still on the island shooting the commercial. It's here's to fucking. No, living. Like rock Like movie stars. Like movie stars. Living like movie stars. Rocking like. Partying. Partying like rock stars and fucking like porn stars. And also. And he, and he said it over and over again. Yeah. He loved it. He thought it was the most creative thing he's ever written. And also. I mean, he made Billy say the fucking like porn stars part. And also, so when he said that, I was like, you guys are doing so much cocaine that there's no way you're fucking like a porn star. Absolutely not. No. You're and not you're so getting selfish. that little you are penis not up. A good fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no. So let's talk about like really quickly what happened. And then I want to get into the fuck Jerry and the advertising. Okay. So that's really pissed me off. So, okay, we're, we're day of day before that night before. The day before it rains, there's a huge rain, not just like a drizzle, like things are soaked. So the mattresses, everything they said that people could have, um, it's just a white tent that's soaked and a mattress that's soaked. There's no bed sheets. Nothing. There's still no toilet. And the mattress, handle. but the mattresses aren't even in the tents. They're just like strewn about. Yeah. So um, the place is a mess and people are saying like, please call it off. Can you, can you tell us it's not happening? But no, influencers are at the airport. They're still hashtagging it. Their ad campaign is telling them to please post. And then Blink-182 um, decides they're not going to do it. Like they get word and they're, they drop, drop out. And then a bunch of music acts start to drop out. But all of these influencers and young, young, young rich people are on their way to the Bahamas. Yeah. So they are flying from Miami to the Bahamas. And I think it had been billed as a private jet that they're taking from Miami. Yeah, it's just to a the- huge commercial flight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this horrible influencer is like, this is like low, low, low economy. I class. hated her. I hated her. her. There's this one influencer. She's in both documentaries. And guys, I hate her so much. I Googled her. She was in like the remake of um, Saved by the Bell. She played Kelly Kapowski. I hate her so much. She is like the worst of social media influencers. Yeah. Oh, she's so, so snobby and she's so, so I angry. love the part in the um Hulu documentary where they're they're like, okay, so what is a personal brand? And they have like a super cut. Yeah, they interview the influencers and they ask influencers like, what is your brand? And they all say the same they, thing. They they have a super cut of like because how everybody is becoming a brand on social media and everybody is like, you know, does this fit in my brand and what is my brand? And it's it's carefully curated lives on social media. Um, And the interviewers are like, okay, so what's your brand? What's your brand? What's your brand? And they're all like, positivity positivity <laughs> and it's and they really guys they really take time to think they're like oh, you know what it is they do oh, it's like they do having a good life and then you know what positive they take a moment <laughs> like as if as if you've ne- they've created the word themselves it's as the if it's deepest thing they've ever thought of positivity, positivity. <laughs> and it's so funny and it's like you know what you're all just rich and you all have great white teeth and i'm sure your parents paid for a lot of things and and Basically, like, and they they mention this a lot too, and it's frustrating. But like, a lot of social media, if you don't post something on social, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's like a lot of generations. The generation happening right now, it's like, is it real if you don't post? You know, and really interesting. If it's not there in your social, it's not a part of your experience that you share with others. It can be your own private experience, but and then your experience shared with others that has a value on it suddenly. Yeah, like. And then ne- displaying your stuff. Yeah. And the Netflix or, or the Hulu, I can't remember. I think it was the Netflix one. They're saying there's a company in Russia that um, you can yes. pay to do a photo Hire shoot a private on jet. a private jet. <laughs> Just a yeah. photo shoot on a private jet for your Instagram. And they're like, it's very successful. And so that's that's what's happening right now is this. So literally go fuck yourself. Really I'm sorry. 
I hate everyone. It's so, so these ridiculous. really shitty um, influencers are flying, guys, okay. and they arrive, and they're all like, huh, this is interesting. And they're packed onto yellow school buses, and the people of the Bahamas are like, guys, it's bad. It's bad. And, and Billy's just blocking it out. He's blocking it out. People have come to Grant, his second in command. People are tweeting job role. Everyone's literally blocking them and physically blocking them on social media they will block accounts that question or have any question they will delete questions which is so horrible and these people show up on a bus on this gravel dangerous like garage one of my parking lot and one of my favorite influencer video on the bus is they show up they get um they get view of this site the for the festival and these FEMA tents and this one influencer starts bawling starts, starts crying. crying she was like turn us back we have to go back like yes. like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to her in her entire life which is amazing and guys while all this is happening there are refugees that are living in tents this is what was driving me crazy yeah it was like these people were paying like five hundred thousand dollars two hundred thousand dollars to have these experiences but you know what like there are people that are forced upon them like you just got you were just born into a rich fucking family mm-hmm. or you just got lucky a couple times but there are people that through no fault of their own were born in a country that is like war ridden and have to survive for their lives and are refugees. And that is happening at the same time this is happening. And you guys are acting like these little bitch victims when other people actually have to live like this mm-hmm. and are doing the best that and they are can. And are happy to live like that because it's an upgrade from what how they've been oh, living. Yes, yeah. better than being shot in the face. I, I was so disgusted by everything. I mean, yes, it is horrible to suddenly be somewhere and be very scared and very confused, but it happens to people all over the world. Deal with it. Like shit fucking happens. Yeah. And just for them to hear to see their reactions was so grotesque. Yeah. Like I was like, you have no idea. Like you have no struggle. Just like Billy doesn't know how to literally build a tent. A lot of these influencers did influencers didn't seem like they knew anything that was happening. And people thought it was really funny. They thought it was like rich people problems. They thought it was like there's a part of it that is comedic in a way of like, isn't this insane? But I just thought it was so disgusting how super out of touch all of these people are. Yeah. Tons and tons of people. That's the Schadenfreude of it all or Schadenfreude. I don't know how you pronounce that word, but like when you delight in someone else's misery, it's seeing rich people fail is like when this was all going down, I was like, yes, give me more articles. The whole internet was. Yes. Yes, Everybody was. I want to see these like privileged assholes get taken down who've never had to work for anything, who can pay 50 grand to stay in a tent and like fuck yourself like seriously Mm -hmm. go fuck yourself so that's why I think everyone loves the story and the story is so brilliant yeah everybody loves it because it's so gross Uh, and there was this quote I'm not sure who the comedian is in the Netflix documentary but it was so spot on it's like funches yeah I think that's who he's like I love him white people love camping unless it's a surprise it's like oh no that was um that was um the daily show guy uh Trevor Noah was it Trevor yeah, Noah? Trevor Noah said that, and then Ron Funches is like, "Well, you paid two hundred fifty dollars to see Blink One Eighty Two, so that's on you." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're at the school bus. We're the in the school, school buses. Bus. They are dropped off, and the only place on this entire island that this no, it wasn't even islands. This parking lot, this half of uh, gravel no, pit, deserted sandals, you know, reject. Yeah, um, is one house that everybody who works there has been staying in the social media um team billy all grant all those people and so people just start lining up in front of the house because they're like are we going to check in what's Mm -hmm. happening and more and more and more people are coming and one of the guys started to check people in and then at one point billy gets on a bunch of like stacks of wood and just yells to everybody Go find your own tent. It's a free-for-all. So then mm-hmm. it becomes Lord of the fucking flies. And people start running. And it starts to get dark. Like, it's about to get dark. People are running. There's no food. There's no water. Their luggage in the middle of the night is delivered on trucks. And they say, figure it out. There's no cell phone yeah. to charge in. So also these It's lockers, like Lord of the flies, for it sure. Is. And yeah. they just... You see these people running carrying mattresses like running and fighting and it is like the ugliest thing in the world like people are genuinely afraid of their lives they feel deserted they feel panicked and it and billy encouraged it he's like just go figure it out like figure it out yeah 
Yeah. Off, and these people are so upset and everybody wants to talk to him, wants to like ask him a question, wants to tell him what they're upset about. And he is toning it out. And then at some point they say he just disappears. He just Wait. leaves. He just disappears. There's one detail about this I love is that they spent $2 million to rent Airbnbs for these influencers. And then um, Billy, or was it five? Is that what you're saying? I can't remember. Yeah. I I can't remember. It was a few million dollars for influencers for Airbnbs. And then there was a box of keys and Billy lost the keys. That's what he says in the interview. Billions of dollars worth of Airbnbs. He says he, he lost the keys to the houses. And they're like, how do you lose millions How do you of do that? And he's like, yeah, uh, I did. Like, And so that's obviously a lie. He obviously didn't yeah. have the Airbnbs because they said that the regatta was oh. happening that weekend, that people weren't renting out their houses. So he would take money for the Airbnbs and never actually give it. Or the few people that he gave it to. So throughout all of this, not only- This did not out, click with me. I'm glad that, you're pointing out. No, he was out. lying about everything. Oh. Because he I believed, thought he really lost the keys. Yeah. No, he okay. believed if he made this little lie now, he will be able to solve the problem in his own time. Basically, Billy was like fighting against the reality of time. And yeah. he was like, if you guys and the reality of like what it takes to do something, physical hard work and brains, um, he would say he would have like a bunch of these lies so that he could say, please just give me more time. And they said that he would even do this with his old accounts. Like when he did that credit card that he would sell people tickets to pay off what he paid for other tickets. Like he just, yeah. there was always another thing so that he was always in debt. He's always treading water, but he has something on the horizon that he'll sell you because he has to pay his investors. The last thing. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all of that was a lie. And what is weird is that he's doing these interviews and you just see his like eyes kind of blinking and he just is in this intense denial and entitlement Mm -hmm. that he will never admit that he messed up because he Mm -hmm. really in his heart believes there is a solution. Just give me one more day. Just give me another million dollars. I will find it. And that is the arrogance that is like kings and queens and shitty explorers and like, you know, conquerors have. They're like, don't worry. Just hold on. I'm going to, I got you. And it's like, no, you are ransacking a country and you are ruining people's lives. Like we don't, we don't want to give you any more time. So he doesn't, he doesn't think he's lying. He doesn't think he's being deceptive. He really doesn't. doesn't. No. Mm -mm. And, and I think, and, and he also, through all these interviews, people will ask him questions. He's like, I don't know, I blocked it or I'm not there yet or I'm not like mm-hmm. he has the skill to block out reality like that's mm-hmm. incredible. That's like the denial of somebody who has had an extreme tragedy in their lives or was in a terrible car crash. And you're like, yeah. I can't remember. I just had to block it out. He has blocked out um, any sort of feeling, emotion, responsibility. He's blocked out yeah. ownership of anything. I will say, OK, so um, the Hulu documentary has an interview with Billy McFarland, who is the owner of this. And then the Netflix documentary has um, all this behind-the-scenes footage of this shit as it's going down. So the Hulu documentary has an interview with him, and it has come out that they paid $250,000. They paid him for the interview of the Hulu documentary, which just really pisses me off. Yeah, but it's fascinating. So one part, talking about like his emotional state in this and him blocking it out was... He um, talks about Ja Rule and he's like, Ja Rule didn't know I take full responsibility. I This is all my fault. And the way he said it was like, I felt like he was like almost scared. I was like, did Ja Rule like beat him up or something? <laughs> or like, I, I felt he, he was like that scared. Was the, yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. He so seemed yeah, like he's, very jaded when he when he, or very jilted and shook when he was like talking a kid about who was beaten Jaru. up. Yeah, he looked like yeah. he was like he was like oh, I, don't don't shoot me. Um, Jaru, yeah. didn't know. Okay, guys. Also, we are going to take a break and we are going to have a second episode. So hold on, we'll be right back. And um, if you want anything else, you can always give us a phone call and tell us your feelings on the fire festival. Yeah. We have a call line. And I mean, I'm sure Sue and I are trying to cover everything we can, but I'm positive that we are missing something. So please call in. Tell us your feelings. Um, our line to call is our hot tip hotline is 347-509-9414. We'd love you. We'd love to hear your tips. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at ScamWow Podcast. Twitter, Scamwell Podcast. Email us at Scamwell Podcast. Oh, and I would love to say, if you can rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening, that would be so nice of you. It just Um, makes me feel so good. (laughs) 
It really does because we get the reviews. Our producer Kate sends them to happy. us and we read them and we're like, oh, thank you. Okay, guys. So this next episode is going to be out tomorrow. Yeah, we're taking a little break. Um, we're going to like regroup and like calm down a little bit. And then you Maybe. will ha- have the part two of this tomorrow. We love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.